0: Work, work, as we saw, is sacred. Every, every person here that's, my job is no more sacred than yours. And so we see that all of work is sacred, as was the work of God. Romantic love, uh, something that can be very beautiful. And individualism, we're all, we're all different people. We're all unique in and of ourselves. So these are things that can become idols in our lives. This morning, we're going to look at one more and uh, this is one that we experience, all of us, in this country, and that is the idol of consumerism. And so, just to keep it simple, here's a very simple definition of consumerism. Trying to find meaning, purpose, joy, or your identity in stuff. And stuff is just just a good word for all of our stuff, right? And so we're going to talk about that. Americans constitute 5% of the population. We consume 20, almost about 24% of all the world, world's energy. Uh, we eat about 815 billion calories of food each day, which is about 200 billion more than we need. Enough to feed 80 million people. Here's a really sad one. Americans throw out 200,000 tons of edible food every day. That is 400 million pounds of edible food we throw away every day in this country. Average American will generate 52 tons of garbage in their lifetime. You know, it's interesting, we were in Ukraine. Everything, I mean, you would never throw away anything, a plastic bag, you'd never put it in recycling, you would keep it, a box, receive something in a box you keep the box you keep everything uh and then you begin to realize what a throwaway society we live in uh, half the world's population lives on 25 gallons of water a day and we consume about 160 gallons uh, every day 160 gallons i'm trying to think how do we do that But between washing clothes, washing dishes, dishwashers, all the ways, taking showers, baths, all that kind of stuff, uh, we go through a lot of water, things we take for granted. Of course, in America, we have the phenomenon of eBay. Since 1996, has now grown to uh, 15 million items on eBay, 135 million or so registered users. 1800 categories, you can get action figures from the 1970s for $500, you can get original Van Gogh paintings for half a million dollars. All kinds of things. I just thought of something, I just this popped into my mind this week, I thought, I'm just gonna think of something bizarre and see if they have it. Please don't laugh, but I thought of fur toilet seats, okay? That would be something very... A fur toilet seat. Do You think they have fur toilet seats? Of course, they have leopard toilet seats. They have SpongeBob toilet seats. They have Barbie doll face toilet seats. They have Santa Claus. It looks like his head toilet seats. And uh, you name it. It's, it's just amazing. When people come to America from other countries, they just go, you just, there's, it's like overwhelming. There are so many choices of so many different things in this country. Amazon does $75 billion annually, and online now is a quarter of a trillion dollars annually. So how do we become such consumers? I want you to watch this clip. <clears throat> we'll, we'll run the first clip here, and uh, it's not very long, but I want you to listen to uh, this: how we became consumers in this country. The average U.S. person
1: now consumes twice as much as they did 50 years ago. Ask your grandma. In her day, stewardship and resourcefulness and thrift were valued. So how did this happen? Shortly after World War II, these guys were figuring out how to ramp up the economy. Retailing analyst Victor LeBeau articulated the solution that's become the norm for the whole system he said our enormously productive economy demands that we make consumption our way of life that we convert the buying and use of goods into rituals that we seek our spiritual satisfaction our ego satisfaction in consumption we need things consumed burned up replaced and discarded at an ever accelerating rate Advertisements and media in general plays a big role in this. Each of us in the US is targeted with over 3,000 advertisements a day. We see more advertisements in one year than people 50 years ago saw in a lifetime. And if you think about it, what's the point of an ad except to make us unhappy with what we have? So 3,000 times a day, we're told our hair is wrong, our skin is wrong, our clothes are wrong, our furniture is wrong, our car is wrong. We are wrong, but it can all be made right if we just go shopping. We're in this ridiculous situation where we go to work, maybe two jobs even, and we come home and we're exhausted, so we plop down on our new couch and watch TV, and the commercials tell us, you suck, so you got to go to the mall to buy something to feel better, and then you got to go to work more to pay for the stuff you just bought, so you come home and you're more tired, so you sit down and you watch more TV, and it tells you to go to the mall again, and we're on this crazy work-watch-spend treadmill, and we could just stop.
0: Okay. I want you to see... I you, I'm just going to put up the, uh, the quote from Victor, Victor LeBeau. And I want you to notice in that quote of what he said that this is, a, uh, this is really a, a, this sounds like a religion. Notice what he said. He says, our enormously productive economy demands that we make consumption our way of life that we convert, notice the word, I like these words that he's using, convert the buying and using of goods into rituals, that we seek our spiritual satisfaction and our ego satisfaction in consumption. We need things consumed, burned up, replaced and discarded at an ever-increasing rate. And so can you see why consumption in our culture could become a god? I mean, these are actually almost religious terms that he was using when he identified the goal here of the consumer. In 1960, the average home was 1,100 square feet. It's now 2,300. In 1960, there were no storage businesses. Now there's 30 million different companies. They do 12 billion a year uh, just because we don't have enough room to store all of our stuff. (coughs) So... What drives consumption? Discontent is what drives consumption. Now Paul says, in a number of places, he says, I, "I have learned." Paul said, "I've been when I've had plenty and I've been in want, but I've learned to be content in whatever situation I'm in. And to be content means that if, it means that you don't want more than, than what you have, that you're content with the situation that you are in. Consumerism is built on making us discontent. Yes, there are things that we need, but there's all the rest of those things that are out there. Here's a quote. If you are happy with your life, if you enjoy time with your kids, playing and talking, if you enjoy nature, sunset, sunrise, enjoy chilling out on the front steps, fulfilling you have a fulfilling marriage and a positive sense about who you are, if you like praying and some solitude as well as good conversation, you have no need to compete or impress others, enjoy living simply, you haven't spent a dime. And, it adds, you are an economic liability. If you pay off your credit card every month, you know what they call you, in the credit card industry, you are a deadbeat. That is is a term used for people that pay off their credit cards every month. So the consumer culture must convince you that you don't have enough, that you can't be content with what you are, that you'll be happier and better off if you have more. Advertisers hire psychologists. Okay, Young people, they hire psychologists to talk with people in the industry to figure out what they can do to, when you watch an advertisement, what can they do to make you feel insecure, okay, or inferior, what what can they do to make you feel discontent? And so they'll, you know, they'll, they'll Photoshop a, a, a young gal or something up on the screen and every girl in America says, wow, I don't, I don't look, I don't look that good. And what does that create? That creates insecurity. So if you buy whatever it is, you can deal with that insecurity. That is the goal, the very subtle goal of advertisers, is to create this discontent. Well, there was a guy by the name of Solomon who had a lot of ability to pursue whatever he wanted. And In Ecclesiastes, and and I'd like to just read this this morning. Ecclesiastes 2 1 through 11. There were three things he pursued, and I'm just going to read one of them. But I'd like you to listen to what he said. He said, I thought in my heart, Come now, I'll test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. I tried cheering myself with wine. And embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under the heaven with a, few, with a few days of their lives. So I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of trees. I made reservoirs to water groves of, fur, of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I owned more herds, more flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well. The delights of the heart of a man became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart, no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed, all my hands had done and what I had done toil to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the win. So here's a guy who said, I'm going to figure out what it feels like if you get everything you've ever wanted. And he got to the end and he said, it, it didn't do it. it. It did not satisfy my heart. And so we see that things do not satisfy there's a guy that came from India, and uh, I was reading an article this week, and he, he walked into a restaurant. He was with uh, a friend of his, and a youth pastor walked in with, with a group of, of young people that just got back from a, a mission trip to uh, a third world country. And after the, when they were talking, the, the the kids talked about just how they were impacted by all of these poor people in this country. They just said they were they were so poor. And... After the youth pastor left, this guy from India asked his friend, he said, Why do they say that we're so poor? And the friend said, Well, the guy's name was from from India, was Ashish. He said, Ashish, you, you are poor compared to any of these kids. And he said, and I quote, He said, I'm sick of sympathy from Westerners who think we need more stuff. What does that have to do with happiness? and when those kids came back they made this comment they said these people they don't have anything but they seem so happy and and we have bought the lie that if, if we don't have enough stuff we're not gonna be happy stuff has very little to do with happiness very little to do with it at all we have however another problem that we have to deal with and. And, and that is consumerism in the church. Consumerism in the church. And I uh, want you just throw this next clip up. And uh, I may cut in partway through, but I want you to see at least a little bit of this. So. <clears throat>
2: states how can we feed you today hi i'd like a 25 minute sermon and some upbeat worship music please nothing too crazy though and i don't like to stand until the very end certainly please drive forward have a blessed day no standing until the end right of course not sir here at ftu usa we get your order right the first time every time all the time and on time until the end of time have a blessed day Welcome to First Trinity Unity Community Church of the United States. How can we feed you today? Uh, can I get some children's ministry, please, with games, please? Ah! Lots of games. And, uh, can I have some movies, too, but please, no VeggieTales, because, girls, I don't like the VeggieTales songs, they get stuck in my head, okay? Um, then I'd like the multicolored fishy crackers, please, not the plain. Those at home, okay? We've got those. We've got those. Um, and uh, a cry room. Do you guys have a cry room? Certainly. Okay, can I get a, a leather chair and surround sound, please, in my cry room? Certainly. Can I interest you in some of our John the Baptist gummy locusts for your children? Yes, oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, No, thank you. Have a blessed day. We want the new Buddy Christ Mom! Yeah, Mom. First Trinity Unity Community Church of the United States. How can we feed you today? I need a parking spot. I need it not too far. Keep it out of the sun. I want donuts. I want them fast and fresh. OK? How about two clapping songs and uh, a small group that only asks the get to know you question. Certainly. Oh, and the greeters, I want them to smile, no handshakes. It's too close, too soon. Well, certainly. Can I interest you in some everlasting Jesus jawbreakers to help share your faith today? They're everlasting, just like our lives with Jesus. No sharing of faith.
0: Okay, great. that's probably, <clears throat> you get the point, right? <clears throat> People shop for churches like they shop Walmart, Sam's Club. We, 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 we began to approach churches like, what, what does this have for me? versus how, how could I go and contribute? Where, where might there be a need in this church where I could go and, and be a part of what, what God is, is wanting to do? And, and when that mentality begins to take over, when the consumer mentality begins to get into the church and into the minds of us as people in the church, we began to think several things. Here's the first one. We began to think that, that God is actually here to serve us. That God is really about serving us. Like, I have a list of things that I need, and, and, and God is going to, to, to give them to me. We begin to value God in terms of whether he, he brings us the things that we're asking for. A few years ago, I did a study on humility, and I discovered something very interesting. It was a little different than I, I really thought it was the, the core of humility. You know, I thought being humble meant not being cocky. You know, not having to be right, not taking credit for things that you do. But I, I discovered from the book of Philippians that it said Jesus Christ humbled himself. And how did he do that? He became obedient, even to the point of death on the cross. And what I discovered was is that what humility is is when you come to God and you say this. You say, God, my life is about serving your purposes for my life. What, what purpose do you have for my life? and I'm willing, I'm willing to submit myself to whatever purpose you have for my life. So if that means you put me in a wheelchair at age 27, if that means I have to go through something very tragic in my life because you're working out some form of purpose in my life, whatever it is that you need to do to refine and reshape and remold me, God, I am, I am that biblically is what humility is. And so when we come to God or we we have this mentality that we're here because we have things that we want to get, then we find ourselves in this thinking that God is really here to give us simply what we want. And you know, I have, being a pastor for 35 years, I've I've had many of these conversations where someone will sit down and say, you know, when I come to church, no one's friendly with me. And nobody seems to talk to me and I don't think I can go here anymore because, I don't know, people just, I don't know, it's kind of like I'm invisible when I come here, and I just don't feel cared about. That, that and, and we, we've all been there, and when you get yourself in that way of thinking, it's, it's whenever I, I hear that from someone, I know that it, it's not going to work, because I can go around the church and say, you know, somebody doesn't feel like we're caring about them, and we need to care about them, and I've discovered it never works. What works is when the person realizes that maybe they need to walk through the doors of that church and say, "Now, who's going to talk to me today? But who can I talk to today? Who can I encourage today? Who can I minister to today? When I walk into Connection Cafe, who can I sit down by who's alone? And when when we begin to." Abandon. you know, who's going to serve me? And we begin saying, how can I serve people? You know, it's amazing that pretty soon you got all kinds of friends. Pretty soon you got all kinds of people coming up to you. <clears throat> and so this is, a, it, it, it puts us in the mentality though of, 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 that others are here to serve me and, and takes us out of that frame of mind which says, I am here. How can God use me in the lives of other people this week, in my family, in my church, and, and in my world? Here's the second thing. The second thing that we began thinking is that God has failed us. You know, I told God what I wanted. It didn't come through. I mean, I've heard that many, many times, that God has failed. When, when you come to God and you say, God, my life is here for your purposes, whatever that is, then whatever he allows is okay. Right? I mean, if you've said that genuinely, God, if, if you want me to, whatever it is, And it it might be hard. God might allow something hard in your life. And and he may use that in powerful ways. But when you you come to God and you don't have an agenda for him, then you often, uh, you rarely will, will sense that God has failed you because he doesn't fail you. God never fails you. We fail him, but he never fails us. And then thirdly, we see that some people abandon the faith. They actually abandoned the faith because God didn't come through. I, I remember a young person who, uh, I, he, was in the, he was a brother of somebody in the youth group when I was first starting off. And I, I asked him one day, I said, why don't, you come to, why don't you come to youth group regularly? Why don't you come? He said, my grandmother was sick. He said, I love my grandmother. And I prayed to God that she wouldn't die. And she died. I don't have I don't have time for a God like that. And so when we we come to God thinking that God is going to meet our list, we will often become disappointed and sometimes people will abandon the faith. There was a guy by the name of Zacchaeus who had a lot of money and he'd ripped a lot of people off and he's a short guy. Many of you have heard the story. It's a little guy that climbed up in the tree when Jesus came to town. And Jesus called him out, went to his house for dinner. He walked out of the house that day, and this was a rich guy. He had, he had a lot of money. He, he'd lived his life getting rich, and that day he walked out, and it says that he, that he gave half of his money away, and anybody cheated, he paid back four times. You go, wow, What that's pretty amazing that he would do that with all that money. But you see, this is a guy who had, he kind of got to where Solomon had gotten to, and he'd lived his life that way, and now Jesus was offering him something other than his consumeristic mentality, mindset, and, and he was sick and tired of, of this idol in his life. And so we see this response to him, because you know what, his money didn't mean a lot. And money really is not that. It has very little to do with our happiness. And all of us think that's true, don't we? Like, if I handed you a check for $50,000 this morning, would you be, would you be better off? $50,000, okay? I mean, just, how many of you think if you, had a, if you, if you won $50,000 today, that you'd be happier? You don't have to raise your hand. <coughs> I mean... There, there's something there you start thinking oh I could pay this off and I could do this I could do this and I could you know I could get out of you know I could all these things that we could do a guy came to George Mueller he said you know what I'd like to do for you he said I would like to uh, George Mueller was a guy that uh, set up these orphanages uh, in, in England a, a great man of God and he just lived from day to day and he saw God provide for his life. And a, a businessman, a very successful businessman came and said, George, he said, I, I want to offer to give you this money and the interest on this money will provide the monthly support you need. You never have to worry another day of your life about your finances and your needs being met. And you can just focus on the orphanages and, and uh. you know that George Mueller said no. He said, it would rob me of the joy of trusting God in each day. Now, you know, sometimes, I mean, that that, that might be a provision that God provides. I'm, I'm not saying there's anything bad about that offer. But for George Mueller, you know, sometimes we think if we had more, we'd be happier. But really, it's when God brings us to those places where we have to trust him where we have to come before him and, and, and move into him and towards him because of our situation. So it's often when God is taking money away, not when God's giving us money, that, that we're drawn into that place. And so, uh, you know, this we have been taught very well that stuff, things, will make us happy. I love Hezekiah, and I'll just conclude with this. I love Hezekiah. This guy was—he was young. He was like 25 years old, and he became the king uh, of Judah. And you know what he's noted for? He's the guy, and uh, you can read his—you can read his, his story in 2 Kings 18. He's the guy that went around, and he destroyed all the idols. And it—it it just pleased the heart of God to see this young man that these idols were false and, and that they were nothing. And so, you know, this morning, as we, as we look at this idol of consumerism, it's, it's, it's my prayer. It's my prayer that, that God would give us this kind of wisdom to see through, to see through this lie in our culture that one more thing, just a little more stuff, just a little nicer this, just a little nicer that is somehow going to make us happier. Because it's simply a lie of our culture. Father, this morning we we realize that we we live in a, a consumeristic culture. We've all grown up in it. There are things about it we we don't even recognize. And perhaps we're we're most made aware of it when we see the smiles on the faces of people who have almost nothing. who eat the same thing every day, every meal. who never dream of going out to a restaurant today after church. And, Lord, not that there's anything wrong with those things you've given to us. You tell us in your word that you bless us with all things uh, to enjoy. And so, but, Father, somehow to think that, to begin to pursue those kinds of things, to think that we'll be happier, or more content, or we can feel better about ourselves, Lord, just help us to see through that lie and, and help us to see that what really makes us happy are the things that draw us to you and uh, the things that connect us with you. And so, Lord, um, just make us today, Lord, there's no place, we don't need to move from our seat today to be happy, to be joyful, to be the kind of godly happiness that is defined by the word joy, Lord, that that's something that is totally independent of the stuff in our lives. And so uh, we just commit this to you today. Father, we pray now as, as we conclude uh, the service, we pray for this offering. Lord, we we pray as this song, as we listen to this song during the offering, Lord, may we find freedom in the midst of all of these things. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: things I've stored in boxes that don't mean much anymore. Old magazines and memories behind In the junkyard, rusting in the rain, lie things that took the finest years of lifetimes to obtain. And whistling through these tombstones, the heart.
0: I invite you to stand as we conclude. Father, that's our prayer this morning, that we would find freedom. Freedom that comes, freedom from stuff, freedom from the pursuit of that, and that we might realize that the true desire of our hearts is to know you. And uh, Lord, only as you are first, then can we enjoy the things that you bring into our lives. Father, we thank you You have greatly blessed us, and Lord, we do not, uh, we are not ungrateful that we are people that have lived in a nation of great blessing, but Lord, the idolatry of those things uh, can also destroy us. And so, Father, might we uh, truly be people that find you first in our lives and the contentment that comes with that. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Invite you, Connection Cafe, right through the doors in the back.